starting a brand new series entitled The Art of War. And uh, listen, before we get into it, i got to say this, man. Wasn't that new song we did? Wasn't that off the hook? Man, if I had a lighter, I'd have lit it up. That's what I'm saying. Um, so listen, I want to pray today. Our, our desire each and every week in here at Faith Church is that not you'll hear songs or not that you'll hear a message, but that you will have an encounter with God. We believe that the grace and the presence of God can change hearts and change lives and change destinies, but we have to be open. We have to be a participant in that. And so I just want to pray for you. So, Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Pray that, God, you would just do the work that you desire to do. Father, I pray, God, as you speak into this room, as you speak into hearts, that, Father, we'd be open to hear what you want to say, that, Father, we'd be willing, God, with your grace, with your help, and with your strength, Father, to be the people you've called us to be, to have the life that, Jesus, you want us to have. Father, we thank you for it. God, I ask you, God, to give the Cavaliers, God, a game two victory on the West Coast in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed and said amen. Now, some of you say, why do you keep pr- playing, pr- praying for the Cavs? You know, God doesn't care about basketball. And that's true. God does not have a favorite team. However, I believe that he has favorites, and I'm one of them. So I'm just asking, Lord, if not for the Cavs, Lord, for me. Listen, let me ask you a question. Have you guys ever heard this phrase, if it were easy, everyone would do it? If you ever heard that before, say it with me. If it were easy, everyone would do it. I want you to think about that. There are a lot of things in this life that I think are very well worth pursuing. A lot of things probably in your own heart, dreams and desires and passions that you have. But unfortunately, to have those things, it takes a certain amount of effort. It takes a certain amount of, of, of energy and, and putting yourself forth and putting yourself out there. If you're ever going to have those dreams and those desires, you're going to have to go through some struggles. In fact, you're probably going to have to put up a fight. And today, what I want to talk about right, going right into the series, I want to talk about that fight because it's that fight that excludes many of us from having the things that God wants us to have. See, it's not that we don't have big dreams. It's not that we don't want good things. It's not that we don't, it's not that we don't want things. The problem is, is there is that struggle on the inside. There is that battle and that tension. There is the fight. Come on, everybody shout the fight. There's a fight that we all have that holds us back, that excludes us, that keeps us from really walking in our fullest potential. I want you to think about some things. For example, marriages. I think marriage is a wonderful thing. In fact, God, right in the beginning, after he made everything perfect, he looked at a perfect perfect man on the inside of a perfect creation. He said, you know what? He's not complete yet. It's not good for man to be alone. And God made for him a helpmate. God, at the very beginning, he consummated and set apart a marriage between a man and a woman. That is part of God's good plans. And as a pastor, I get the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of weddings, uh, 10, 12, 15 weddings a year. And I see couples stand before friends and family and ultimately stand before God. And they say this, they say, till death do us part. And they have every intention with the love in their heart to make it to the very end. But we know the stats in America right now that say probably maybe 65% of marriages end in divorce. Do you know why? Because they have a dream for a great marriage. They have a passion to spend their life with this one. But you know what happens? There's a fight. There are some struggles. There are some things happen. And because people aren't really willing at times to put up the necessary fight, they lose their hope for a lifelong marriage. Education. How many people are in school right now? In school. We know we have a lot of people that just graduated. But how many people know, listen, if you want a degree, it's not easy. You got homework and term papers, and you got to read and then read some more. And when you're finished, you got to read some more and study. You, a lot of times you have to show up for class. Sometimes you don't. But I mean, it's a lot of extra time. You can't just sign up for classes, pay the fees, and get a degree. If you want a quality education, it's going to take some effort on your part. It's going to take you fighting the fight and pushing through the struggle. 
When everybody else is going out, sometimes you've got to choose to stay in. When everybody else is focused on other things, you have to focus on the test that's coming, the exam that's coming. When everybody else is putting an effort going out to the pool, going out, hanging out with friends, you have to put an effort in getting ready to pass the finals. So again, it's this thing like a lot of people want an education. A lot of people want, uh, want a degree. But you know, right now, I just, I just looked at this, I was just curious, you know, 30, 32% of freshmen wash out. Now, some of those do go back, but 32% had a dream. You know, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get this degree, I'm going to graduate and go on to this program or go on to this job, but 32% get there, and you know what? The fight's too much. The struggle's too overwhelming. Uh, here's another one, retirement. Now, um, I'm a little bit ways from retirement. Some of you are a little closer, <laughs> Some of you a little further, but I heard Dave Ramsey say this. Dave Ramsey, kind of a great money guru, he said this, if you're willing to live like nobody else today, you can live like nobody else tomorrow. What he's talking about is if you're willing to manage your money in, in, a, in a conservative way now and make sure that you set money aside in retirement, that when you retire, you don't have to be a greeter at Walmart. You can really retire, but you know, reason, you know the reason most of us aren't going to do that? Most of us have, have that dream. Most of us don't want to work a part-time job when we retire, but you know why? It's because the fight and the struggle to do it well now, to manage money well now, it's too hard. And most of us exclude ourselves from our dreams because we're not willing to fight the fight. I'm just telling you today, if you want everything that God has for you, if you want your dreams, if you want your aspirations, if you want the life that Jesus came to give, you got to fight for your family, you got to fight for your marriage, you got to fight for your dreams, you got to fight for your destiny, you got to fight for your education, you got to fight for what's yours. And the challenge is, again, that a lot of us, we don't really fight the fight. Now, let me just ask you a question. When I talk about the fight, When I talk about the struggle, everybody in this room, we can all relate because we sense it. Like life just isn't easy. Like there's this, there's this natural tension that comes. There's this, there's this natural resistance. Like when you're trying to push into education, like there's this tension, there's this pushback. I just want to answer this question today as we get into week one of the art of war is who's the adversary in your fight? Who's the adversary in your fight? Who is the one that's keeping you or who is the, what is the thing, or who is the one that's holding you back from your dreams? Who's the one that is the, that's at the source of your fight? When we talk about marriage, you might say it's your wife, <clears throat> or you might think it's your boss. Here's, here's a couple options I want us to think about today, is maybe, just maybe, what's at the source of your fight, who your adversary is, is someone in your world. Again, maybe it's Maybe it is your, maybe again, in, in, in having the marriage you want or the relationship you want or the job you want, maybe it's your professor who's just, give, just giving you a hard time. You know, you're a Christian, you got a Christian point of view and they don't like your Christian point of view, so they're just gonna fail you. That happens. So you know what? You're like, man, I just, I can't get ahead because of my Christian values or, you know, I would have a great marriage if it wasn't for my husband or, I, you know, I would have a great family, but, you know, man, my kid, he's, he's addicted, addicted to Oxycontin or he's addicted to pills and there's tension in the family. And you might be able to point and you might say, the reason for my struggle, the reason for my fight, what my adversary represents is like my world. It's, it's who's in my world. In fact, Jesus, he taught this, that there's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of this world. And those two things are diametrically opposed. 
And that there is, I just want you to know that there is a world that resists us living out our faith. Because here's what I want to talk about really today is the greatest thing that you can have in this world is not a great marriage. It's not a great job. It's not a great future and being secure in your retirement. The greatest thing that we can have and experience in this life is a whole full relationship with the living God through Christ. And every one of us in this room, the reason sometimes we don't have it is because there's a real struggle. And maybe your struggle and maybe your adversary might be represented by who or what's in your world, but I don't think that's all that it is. I think maybe most of us would probably agree that there's another source, another adversary that we have. I love this picture. There's another adversary that we have that holds us back. Now, if you're new to spiritual things, you're new to church, you might say, come on, Pastor Steve, that's ridiculous. You know, the devil is this guy with a red pitchfork and red pajamas. I just want you to know that Jesus, he taught that the devil was real. And anytime a guy can predict his death and resurrection and pulls it off, I'm with him. And he pulled it off. Jesus taught the devil was real. We really do have a tempter that tempts us, that holds us back. We really, there really is, we're going to talk about it more through this series. There really is spiritual warfare. And at the heart of our spiritual warfare is an adversary. And so maybe you're here, like, Pastor Steve, you're right. Like, man, there's so many things I want. And like, no matter how hard I push, it just seems like it's an uphill battle. Like no matter, no matter how, how, how hard I want to have a good marriage, to have like financial security, no matter how much I want a better relationship with God, it's like, Pastor Steve, like there's always resistance. Like what's at the heart of it? And I want you to know that part of what's at the heart of what you battle is your spiritual enemy. But I don't think that's your number one adversary. In fact, what I think your number one adversary is, is represented right here in this third frame. And I'm just going to tell you, no doubt in my mind, it is my number one adversary. It is the thing that I fight the most. It's the thing that holds me back the most. It's the thing that I resist the most. You want to see what it is? There it is. You want to know the source of your struggle? It's not your spouse. Do you want to know what's holding you back from a good marriage? It's not your husband. Do you know the tension in your family? It's not your kids. Do you know the biggest battle keeping you from your dreams, a greater relationship with God, walking out your destiny, fulfilling your purpose, having joy in life? It is a person that you and I look at in the mirror each and every day. This is our greatest adversary. There is an enemy in me. Everybody say that. There is an enemy in me. Ourselves, we are ourselves our greatest adversary. We are the one that holds us back. We are the thing that kind of keeps on resisting. And I'm going to talk about this today. Again, our greatest adversary, our greatest challenge is the enemy in me. Say it one more time. The enemy in me. It's a, it's a real battle. It's a, it's a real struggle. In fact, I know um, when I first got saved, anybody here remember when they got saved? Anybody, can you name the date when you gave your life to Jesus? I talk about my salvation experience a lot because, like, it's precious to me. Like, that's the date that really Jesus changed my life. And I'll never forget, again, you know, some of you guys know this, been here long enough. You know, I grew up, didn't really serve God at all, didn't know God. But when I got saved, 17 years old, March 19, 1989, I'll never forget that experience. I'll never forget being in that auditorium with about 6,000 teenagers, walking down to an altar man, tears and snot running down my face, and just crying out to a God who I just heard really loved me and offered grace and forgiveness to me. And I'm just telling you that if you've never had that experience, that experience is the experience that the human heart longs for. And when I found out and I experienced and received God's grace and God's love, I'm telling you that it transformed me in that moment. Are you all hearing me today? 
let me just tell you biblically what happened because it's important. In that moment, the Bible says, according to John 3, that I was born again. Like, that's important. There is a component in us. It's, it's the essence of who you are. It's at the heart and the foundation of what makes you a human being. It is our spirit, man. And the Bible says because of sin, you are born in this world. You're spiritually dead. The Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sin. But when you come to Jesus... And when you open up your heart and you receive his grace, the Bible says that he comes in and you're born again. You're alive for the first time. And in that moment, my spirit man, my real me, came to life and engaged in a relationship with the living God. And I walked out, I was like fired up. I was all about some Red Bull before there was Red Bull. I walked out of that auditorium like with some attitude. And I'll never forget walking out. And all of a sudden, all the stuff that I used to do, I knew I couldn't do anymore. Not because it was religiously wrong. I just knew it what didn't honor God. And I'm like, I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to party anymore. And do you know how long that commitment lasted? About half the bus ride home. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I realized, like early on in my spiritual journey, every time there was an altar call, I was the guy getting saved again. Like every Sunday morning, I need to get saved again because I knew this previous week, like I cussed some more. And I smoked some more. And I still drank some more. Listen, we're going to get somewhere. And be like, what happened? Because there was, there's an enemy in me. Like the first two or three years of my spiritual walk with God, the first two or three years of my salvation, half the time I was making commitments to God, I would never do it again. The other half of the time I was asking him to forgive me for what I said I would never do again that I just did again. <laughs> Can anybody relate to that? You say, what's at the heart of that? Hear me, it's not this world. It's, 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 not, it's not the devil. What's at the heart of it is the enemy that's in me. And Jesus, he talked about this dichotomy. Like this thing, this tension, this struggle that we feel and that we face, it's not new. Jesus talked about this dichotomy all the way back. Check this out in the book of Matthew. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, read it with me. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Watch, why? For the spirit is willing but the body is read it again for the spirit is but the body is weak so again notice what he says here he he recognizes these two kind of components of who you are and he says there's this there's a spiritual part of you and like it's willing it's like i'm gonna serve god and i'm gonna give and like i'm gonna love people and i'm gonna do right and i'm gonna make godly decisions and then you have this weak part of you you have this body anybody here ever familiar with the weak part of you, (laughs) where all of your commitments, I'm going to be a great student, I'm going to plow through, I'm going to lose weight, we're going to have a great marriage, I'm going to do all these wonderful things. Like you wake up and it's like, it's Monday morning and I said this Monday and it's Monday, but next Monday sounds better. (laughs) Because the spirit is willing, but but the flesh, the body is weak. See, there are these terms all the way through through scripture and they're, they're not all perfectly synonymous, but they're all pretty much the same thing. The Bible talks about your old man and your new man. That before you came to Jesus, you were an old person. You were an old thing. And you came to Jesus and he made you a new person. He made you a new creation. That you had an old nature, the old way you used to live, the old desires in your heart. And then we come to Christ and we're born again. Now we have new desires. Like I never thought I would ever be in church. Now I'm like in church for a living. I get paid to be in church. How cool is that? You don't. You're here for free. Like, so there's this old and there's this new, old nature, new nature, old man, new man. 
There is this flesh and there is this spirit. There is this carnality and there is this spirituality. And I want you to know that anytime you have opposing forces, you have a battle. Anytime you have two sides, you have a war. And on the inside of every single person in this room, there is an old nature and there's a new nature. There is an old man, and if you've given your life to Christ, there's a new man. And at the heart, at the center of all of those things, is there is a battle that's challenging us. It's making an uphill battle to walk in our dreams, in our aspirations, in our relationship with God. You are your greatest adversary. There's an enemy in me. Say that. There's an enemy in me. The Apostle Paul, he talks about this in Romans chapter 7. This is, this is some very eye-opening scripture. Check it out. Romans chapter 7. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Read it with me. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. Now stop. How would you like that to be your life verse? Like you're never going to see this on a plate in Lifeway. <laughs> Like we like, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For I know the thoughts that I think of you, says the Lord of hosts, thoughts of peace and not a, like we like verses like that. For God so loved the world. But this, this is just as much biblical as all of that. Read this with me. And I know that nothing good lives in me. Some wives in here are like, you ain't telling me nothing new. I knew that about my husband. I already knew it. But he, he clarifies. He doesn't just mean in, in our totality of our humanity he says this that is in my sinful nature in your old man in your old ways of living in your old nature your bc life your before christ life is still part today of who you are and there's nothing good in it and because there's nothing good in it, it's constantly pulling against us. It's constantly creating tension, trying to keep us to achieve the things that we want that are good and wholesome and right. And he goes on, he says this, he says, read it. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. Can, is this anybody else's life first or is it just me? Like, I want to do it, but I don't do it. I know I shouldn't do it, but I keep doing it. There's some stuff I want to do that I should do, but I just can't do it. Y'all are way quiet today. Like, I can just, like, if you ever want to memorize the scripture, just memorize this, but we don't have to because, again, this, like, this is our life verse. Like, there's a real battle on the inside of everyone in this room. Nobody in this room always does what they want to do. And there's nobody in this room who stops doing all the stuff that they know they shouldn't do. And like, there's this constant tension. There's this, there's this constant battle that, man, that we feel there is a fight because of the enemy in me. And this is what he's talking about. Go on to verse 20. He says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. <laughs> you guys remember the song, It Wasn't Me? I caught some of you, see? <laughs> stuff you shouldn't be listening to, I caught you. It was, he's, the Apostle Paul's like, it wasn't me. But he's not really saying it's not him. Just, this is so important. He's saying there's things that I want to do and I can't do it. And there's things that I don't want to do. And he's like, it's, it's me. I remember when I first quit partying, I'd, give, I'd really give my heart to the Lord. And Sean and I, we, we, we were dating before that. And uh, she caught me. I was in a carload of friends. And I was doing certain things that I shouldn't do. And she called me. She says, I seen you in the car and you were getting high. You know what my answer was? Wasn't me. 
This is before I knew this verse, or I'd have dropped this one on her. He's not saying, he's not saying, he's not saying, God, it's not me. This is what he's saying. Watch this. He says, I'm not really the one doing wrong. Watch this. He says it's sin that's living in me that does it. He's saying it's my old nature that kind of keeps pulling on me, and I give in. It's my old, it's my old way of thinking that kind of keeps drawing me back, and like I give up and I do it. He's saying when I don't fight the fight, when I don't really walk in the strength that's available to me, I find myself doing things, and I look in the mirror, and I say, who is this? Have you ever lived that way before? Have you ever done this? Have you ever done things? Have you ever made decisions and you look at yourself and say, who is this person? Like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I doing this to my wife? Why am I doing this to my relationship with God? This is what Paul's saying. He's so frustrated because of the enemy that's in me. Keep going. Verse 21. He says, I've discovered, read it with me. He said, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. It's a bumper sticker. But I love this. This is, this is so big. This is the other side. This is the new nature. This is the new man. He said, but I love God's law with all my heart. Now, let me just stop right here. If you're really a Christ follower, what I'm telling you is that as a Christ follower, you will still struggle. What I found in my personal spiritual journey and my walk with God was this. I didn't stop struggling, but I started realizing the things that I was doing didn't honor God. Stuff that didn't bother me before, stuff that didn't faze me before, choices and decisions that I made that was just part of my life. When I came to Christ, he awakened something in me that, again, my spirit came alive. And because of my love for him and his love for me, all of a sudden I had this awareness that there were things that I was doing that I shouldn't be doing because I love God. So I love God, but it looks at times like I hate God, like I serve God, but at times you watch me, he don't serve God because there is an enemy in me. Come on, say it one more time. There is an enemy in me. If you're not aware that there's an enemy in you, it'll wreak and cause all kind of havoc. Watch this, verse 23. He says, but there is another power. This is some good news right here. This is one of those whoo verses. There is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. There is a power, the power of God in us, but there is this old power that's working against us. Verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Oh, there's an answer to that. We're going to get to that in this series. Next verse, last one. He says, thank God the answer is in, Christ, in Jesus Christ our Lord, so you see how it is. Come on, right, last part, read this with me. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So he wrestles through this, and he's saying, like, this is my experience. This is the Apostle Paul, by the way, who wrote this. If you don't really know who the Apostle Paul is, the Apostle Paul is probably one of the greatest Christians of all time. He is the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He is the guy primarily responsible for the gospel spreading across the world. He is the guy who planted more churches than any church planter ever. He is the guy who wrote, established, mentored. He was the apostle. He was a prophet. He was a teacher. He was a guy who was hard after God because he had a radical encounter that changed his life. But he said, in spite of all of these things, that I'm doing for God and love God and want to serve God. He says, I don't always do it. I don't always do what I want. And there's things I know I should do that I don't. And then he goes back, verse 24, notice what he says again. I love this. He says, what a miserable person I am. 
Now, I want to help some of you here today because this is so important. If you don't understand that there's an enemy in you, you will be a miserable person. Because here's what I have found out. When I first got saved, I thought everybody else was perfect. I thought everybody else at church, like I would, I would go through my week and I, would th- I could count like all the times I messed up and fell short. And I would walk into church and I would see a bunch of people and I would say, they did it all right. They live perfectly. They made all good decisions. They all love God. And I'm nothing but a failure. If you don't realize that there's not only an enemy in me, there's an enemy in you. There's an enemy in your grandma. There's an enemy in your Sunday school teacher. There's an enemy in your pastor. There's an enemy. There was an enemy. Come on, somebody. There's an enemy in Billy Graham. There's an enemy in T.D. Jakes. There's an enemy in Rod Parsley. There's an enemy in Joyce Meyer. You name who it is. In every single person in this world, we all have two natures that are at war. And if you don't understand that there is an enemy in you, it's not you. Like Paul said, he's saying, it's not me. This isn't what I I want. If you don't recognize that it's not the new you, but it's the old you that's fighting, you will be a miserable person because it will cause you to want to give up on your relationship with God. When we feel like, like, I just can't do any right. Like, what's the point? Like, I might as well throw in the towel. And what's worse is not only giving up on ourselves, if you don't recognize and I don't recognize that there's an enemy in me, you know what we'll do is we'll set false standards for ourselves We'll expect ourselves to be perfect and you'll never be perfect as long as you breathe on this earth. Which means every time you struggle with your sexuality, with your decisions, with your battles, with your demons, your future, your hopes, your desires, your dreams, that every time that you battle with those things, I want you to know something. If you don't recognize that that's not who you are, Come on, you're a new creation in Christ. There is a part of you that loves God because God made you and God created you and Jesus calls you by his spirit to be born again. That's the real you. But if you think the old part is the real you, you'll not only set false standards for yourself, you'll set false standards for everybody else. And here's what I have found out about church people is most church people aren't willing to admit that there's an enemy in them. And they walk up and they act like they're perfect. So they expect everybody else in church to be perfect. They expect new believers walk in the door to be perfect. And when they don't meet the perfect standard that they have set for everyone around them, they walk and they point their finger in criticism. I want you to know every person in this room, including your pastor on this stage, I am not perfect, cannot be perfect. I only walk by the grace of God, which means I make mistakes. And if we don't give people, including ourselves, the latitude, not the permission to sin, but the latitude to recognize that we are not perfect, we will hold each other to standards that we cannot keep, and we will condemn each other out of the kingdom of God, and that can no longer be acceptable. There's an enemy in me. There's an enemy that's in me. Paul, he goes on, he has this battle again, this conversation, Galatians chapter 5, check this out. Read this with me. He says, the sinful nature. Come on, every voice here, read this with me. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Keep going. He says this. He says, and these two forces are constantly fighting each other. I want you to just hone in on this word right here. Say it one more time. These two forces are... Oh, you got to say it again. They are... Like, there's, there's just no relief. You want to know why some of you got in a fight this morning with your spouse, kicked your cat, cussed on the way to church, came in on two wheels, you broke the law getting here, but you came? (laughs) 
Because it's constantly. Like if you're like, well, if I can just read my Bible enough, it's going to stop. Nope. Like every year, we, we start every year here at Faith Church with, with a 21-day fast. Like if I just, maybe, maybe once a year is not enough. Maybe like I need to fast once a month. Because if I just fast enough, it'll stop. Nope. I just need to read my Bible more. No. As long as you have breath in your lungs and you're on planet Earth, you will be in this battle. You will be in this fight because you constantly will have, consistently have the old nature and the new nature. And so this battle never really gives up. But he says, man, this thing is just always there. There's, there's kind of the, our old sinful nature and there's a spirit. So it's kind of like the old man and the new man is constantly talking to us. And again, remember what Paul says? Paul says, there's things I, I shouldn't do, but I keep doing. I think everybody in this room can relate to it. Have you ever like had those things, like things you know you shouldn't do, but you do it anyways? Now, I'm, I don't want to be legalistic, but let's just be honest. There's some stuff we probably shouldn't watch, but we watch. And our new man says, you probably ought to turn this off. And our old man immediately chimes in and says, if I turn it off now, I won't know what happens to Daryl. <laughs> and so like, there's that battle, right? Or right, our, our new man says, you don't need to eat that. That's not good for you. And you're fat enough as it is. And, and, our, and our old nature says, I'm fat, but there's a lot of people fatter than I am. <laughs> our, our new nature says, and listen to me, smoking will not condemn you to hell. Get you there, get you to heaven faster. But so, but right when, I'm just telling you, one of the biggest struggles I had when I gave my heart to the Lord early on was to stop smoking. And here's what I found out. I didn't really stop smoking. I just quit buying them for a while. <laughs> Which means I just bummed them off everybody else. And I was a secondhand smoker for a long time. Can I just be honest? Like after I loved Jesus and was going to church, like I walk in a room and some people are like, smoke bothers me. I'd walk in a room, I'd be like, <laughs> blow some smoke rings. <laughs> do you know why? Because the new nature is like, don't do it. Stop it. Love God. Have a good testimony. Live right before people. And my old nature is like, I like nicotine. It makes me feel good. I just ate dinner. <laughs> right? I mean, there's this thing. Is anybody else here, right? Have you ever heard a joke? You shouldn't have listened to it, but you listened to it, and you definitely shouldn't repeat it, but it's funny. <laughs> Don't tell that joke. That's not a good joke. That joke should not even be repeated. I'm like, and your old man's like, but it's really funny. They'll understand. <laughs> we have these con this constant tension, this constant friction that goes back and forth. Some of you have it in relationships right now that you are here, you're a young person, you're a college student, and you've given your life to Christ and you're determined to follow him. But there is this tension and there is this pressure on you that if you don't sleep with your boyfriend, if you don't have sex with your girlfriend, that they're going to walk away. And so you have this new man saying, don't do it, honor God. Then you have this old carnal nature saying, it's what it takes. If you want a relationship, you got to give in. And I'm just telling you, in everybody in this room, there is a constant battle that never relents of the old man arguing with the new man. And while there are times that we have victory and we walk in the power of the new man because of the grace of Jesus, there are times that we fall flat on our face because of the pull of the old man. So he says this, he says, there are things that you're doing that you shouldn't do. He also says, he says, there's things between the old man and the new man. There's things that you should be doing, but you won't do. Can we just talk about worship for a minute? Now, let's just, set, let's, just set, let's just set a box for what worship is. Worship, corporate worship, is when we show up together and we declare with a voice of worship together that God is good, God is awesome, and we love him because of all that he's done for us. 
And while this part of us, remember what Paul said, Paul said, man, listen, why are you downtrodden? Oh, my soul. He says, like, he's like, you ought to get your worship on. But do you know why some of you don't worship? I'm going I'm to let you in on a little secret. Do you know why? It's your old man. It's your old carnal nature keeping you from worshiping God. Well, if you lift your hands, you're going to look foolish. If you sing too loud, nope, everybody knows you can't sing. If you sing loud, people will hear you make fun of you. And so it's your, it's your old carnal proud nature keeping you from worshiping the one who saved you. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about other churches. And we stand in worship of the Most High God like this. Really? When an offering plate goes in front of you, I'm just telling you, there's something in you. You can't tell me otherwise. There's something that says, I ought to be a giver. Nobody ever taught you. If you never, ever heard a message on generosity or giving, you just know, like, where did that come from? You know where it came from? Because when you got born again, God gave you a new nature, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, which means part of the kingdom of God is living through your life, which part of it is generosity because Jesus was so generous, he gave his life. So we should be generous because we desire to be like the one who gave it all for us. So nobody has to tell you, but when it goes before us, like a lot of us, we just let it pass by. Do you know why? Because your old man chimes and says, you can't afford that. Don't give that. And if you start to write a check, they're like, move the decimal point. Am I the only one here that ever had an argument when the offering time came? No. Where's that argument at? It's not the devil. It's not the world. Listen, right here. Here's your fight. Here's your struggle. It's you. You know, one of the things that I should do as a Christ follower, I should share my faith with people. That's what the new me says. That's Jesus in me. Share your testimony. Share your faith. Let people know about the grace of God. And I go to do it, and, and the old man's like, you don't know what to say. What if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer? So, like, there's this constant tension. Now, here, I want you to know this. I'm not giving anybody in this room, and Paul is explicitly clear. That we shouldn't just continue to sin. So I'm not saying, this is clear, we'll never be sinless, but we should certainly sin less. You'll never be sinless in this world. But if you really love God and you're walking in the grace that he's given you, you will sin less. I'll never be sinless, but I'm just telling you, my spiritual journey, my goal, my heart, and my experience is that as I walk and live for God, I am sinning less. So here's a question I want to give you today as we wrap this up. The Art of War account comes from, uh, some of you know this, Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu was a pretty major figure. He was a Chinese general, wrote a book entitled The Art of War. You can find it in most bookstores today. Pretty, uh, pretty popular seller. Great quotes in here. Here's a quote from Sun Tzu. Check this out. Read it with me. He says, if fighting is sure to result in victory, then you must fight, even though the ruler forbid it. Here's a question I want to ask you as we wrap up week one. Is we all admit there's a fight in us. We all admit there's tension in us. We all admit that there's an old and a new that's battling on the inside of us. Here's the question I want to ask you. What could you walk in? What could you possess? Where would you be in your walks, in, in your walks, in your in your dream, in your relationship with God? Where would you be if you started fighting the enemy on the inside of you? Because I'm just telling you, like, there are times I give in way too easy. Where would your life be if you began to fight the enemy in me? 
We're going to talk about that through this series because I think God has victory for us. And I think God has dreams and adventures and potential for us. If we'll stop being pulled too often, too much by that old nature. John Knox, some of you guys may have heard his name if you've been in church for a while. John Knox, he was a 16th century theologian from Scotland. He was kind of the, one of the right-hand men in the Reformation. And he wrestled the same way Paul did. And he, he wrote in his writings, he made this statement. He said this, he said, how can I preach a gospel? How can I preach a gospel that will set other men free when I, my fi- I myself have found that it will not set me free? How can I preach a gospel that'll set other men free when I myself have found that it will not set me free. What he was saying was like, I keep fighting and sometimes I lose. How can I tell other people that Jesus is the answer and Jesus is the hope if I have Jesus and like there are times I still sin? Because in John Knox and he figured it out. And here's what I want you to know. You're gonna sin and you're gonna struggle and I'm gonna fall short and we're gonna wrestle. Here's the gospel. The gospel is not go be perfect. The gospel is get grace in spite of your imperfections. That's the gospel. The gospel is that not good people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. That's the gospel. So what I want to tell you today is if you're here and you're like, what a miserable person I am. Like Paul said. Like I just can't seem to break the cycle. I just can't seem to get out of it. I want to pray today that you'd open your heart in a new way for God's grace to come flooding in. And not just the grace to forgive you, but grace to fight at a greater capacity. Because I'm believing for everybody in this room that you're going to begin to win the battles you're fighting. Come on, church. Some of you who are struggling with your identity and you're struggling at home and you're struggling in your dreams, you're struggling in your walk with God. Listen, what I've come to tell you today is because of the grace of God, you can overcome. And so will you pray with me, Father? I'm thankful all over this room that God, we recognize... God, there is a battle in us. There is a struggle on the inside. But God, we're not in this thing alone. Jesus, we are confident that you are in it with us and you make your grace available. I want you to know again, even though Paul said that this battle is constant. Do you know what the Old Testament says? The Old Testament, he says this, that every day his mercies are new. (laughs) That means even though you blew it yesterday, today you wake up to brand new mercy. And so, Lord, I rebuke condemnation and shame and guilt. I pray, Father, the weight that we carry. I pray the struggle that every one of us in this room faces. Lord, I just pray that your grace would overcome in our lives. And, Father, I pray that people in this room today would recognize that it's not really them, it's the old them they're fighting. And, Lord, I pray, God, give us the tenacity to fight the fight. Help us to engage in the battle so we can overcome. And Father, I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.